Hey, everybody, uh, get ready for another powerful Do Your Part podcast. We're talking to Ratamuda Princess Karen Cantrell. What does that mean? Who is she? Wow. Get ready. Strap your seatbelts on. You're going to find out. We're talking about Spartanburg. We're talking about activism, hidden figures, domestic violence, um, tangible ways that you can do your part. Lots packed into the show. Stick with us. Everything is fueled from me wanting to be a better person on Earth. It's time to do your part. I don't want you to dream. I want you to do it. Tap into the conversation. Check one, two. As we cover the latest issues affecting our communities and the world. It is absolutely vital that the truth comes out. Resolve your unconscious bias and grow from firsthand experiences. Is your mind truly free or is it caged? This is Do Your Part with Brian Gallo. Uh, welcome back, loyal listeners and new listeners and viewers as well. We're talking podcasts and YouTube channels. Do your part. That's what we're doing. And uh, I'm always excited for our guests. It's, it's special excitement for Miss Karen Cantrell, who is here. Uh, and we get a chance to hear your perspective and your story. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank God in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're always fantastic, though. I try to be fantastic uh-huh. all the time. I try to keep myself in a very positive mode. Even when uh, things uh, get a little rocky, you know, mm-hmm. you've got to not let your emotions run wild with you. You've got to draw yourself back, get yourself in check, mm-hmm. and just thank God that you're alive, you have a home, mm-hmm. you're blessed, mm-hmm. and remember all the wonderful things that uh, you have in your life. Get yourself in check and basically be grateful. Um, at some point in this conversation, I want us to circle back to that because I want to know some of the methods that you use to keep yourself happy and grounded and present and grateful. But I always ask my guests first question, why did you decide to come here today? Well, you know I love you. And <laughs> I, I love you too. so admired you uh, on television and, and this, this wonderful program that you have. Who, who wouldn't be honored and privileged to be on your show? Well, thank you. I'm, I, I, your story is... Um, a very, very unique one. And I know that just from the few minutes that we've talked beforehand. So I'm really glad you're here and thank you for being here. And uh, let's jump right into it. So okay. tell us a bit about, I know you said you're from Tennessee. Tell us a bit about your background, what it was like growing up there. Let's touch on some racism if you can. And, of course. Yeah. There was plenty of racism in well, the South, plenty uh-huh. of racism. I was born in Kingsport, Tennessee and reared there. And also uh, my family traveled and uh, in construction work. Mm-hmm. And so we moved to North Carolina, South Carolina, a small uh, time amount in Georgia as well. Mm-hmm. So we finally settled in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I went to grammar school and uh, high school, and then I received a full voice scholarship to Converse College mm. in opera and in art. What? So you're this whole time I've known you, you're a singer? Well, I don't really sing anymore. <laughs> but you still are. You just might not do it. It doesn't mean you're I, not. I do have the ability to do Wow. <laughs> Something new I learned today. All right, go on. So uh, having the scholarship there, I studied uh, voice and art, and I studied with Gianna Rolandi, and her daughter is uh, at the Metropolitan Opera, and she is one of the most world-famous opera singers, and I was so privileged, I won a voice scholarship. I had taken voice lessons with Mrs. Rolandi and her daughter, Carol Coker, Also, she and I sang some duets together, Mm -hmm. and so um, Mrs. Rolandi, she said, Karen, you should really 
take try to get a scholarship here. And I said, oh, I could never go to Converse College. It's a private, exclusive, girls, all-girls college, and my mother doesn't have the money. And, um, you know, it just, you know, and I, I kept talking, talking, and she started laughing, and she said, you must go out for the scholarship. Mm-hmm. Make a long story short, I did. I won it and went to school there. But you were confident that you would be able to win it. You weren't confident that that place was for you. I was not confident because it was uh, all the debutantes yeah. and, you know, we the came. who's who. Exactly. And, and my mother, you know, we had uh, work. My mother just worked. She was a single parent. She divorced my father. And in the South, when uh, a woman divorced her husband, she was immediately a whore. Right. She shunned. Right. But they shunned her. And they shunned us as children as well. And uh, my really? mother, oh yeah, as children, we were shunned in grammar school and in high school. And so you dealt with some prejudice regarding that as, as far Absolutely. as Absolutely. All right, so go on. So, um, and I don't want to make this all about prejudice or racism, but but you know, it's life story. It's truth. Right. Okay. Keep you know, going. when it's truth, it's truth. Yeah, and it's part of our stories. It's part. That's one of the things that I see wrong with today. People are so afraid of discussing the truth. They think they, they they're they're want to be politically correct and mm-hmm. they don't want to say the wrong things but my my beautiful viewers you have to step up to the plate mm-hmm. discussions have to take place mm-hmm. in order for people to understand one another yeah. so so we need to to talk about this more and more and we need to bring it into the schools you know and clearly in the churches and clearly if you are a buddhist or clearly whatever race, religion, or um, inspirational spiritualism you have, mm-hmm. it's something that has to be discussed. Why do you think that this is such, it's such a far reach for a lot of people and people are so comfortable staying in a space of denial with a lot of things? Where, where does that come from? It comes from uh, lack of education. It comes from the way these people are raised as children or reared as children. Mm-hmm. And they're little box that they stay in and people are afraid to step outside the box so often mm-hmm. uh for to be criticized mm-hmm. um oh, don't say that and oh, don't 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 do that and don't wear that and you can't wear red because only whores wear red colors mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know you can't wire white before east i mean don't and say don't and, on and, on and right. don't sit next to this one and you know you and then they whisper it like that in the south mm-hmm. you know it's like mm-hmm. and then you learn that people learn that and uh, the father other figures and a lot of this with a lot of this uh, is so very important because if they have not had proper parenting uh, with parents who've had a very good education or that have traveled uh, been around the world um, you see that especially women young women are held back Mm -hmm. and then even the sons I have seen it in the south where they shame them Mm -hmm. the fathers uh, you're stupid and you are not to even look at that black girl and I saw you giving her water and don't you ever do that again Mm -hmm. and and I've been in a home where they've actually taken the glass and thrown it in the trash can yeah it's it's so unless you've lived it you can't even imagine it but there's something about different from that's different about you that you've lived it, but you've, you're seeing it, and you knew that it was wrong from the beginning. What's different about you, opposed to your peers at, at, at this age? My mother was always very civic-minded, and she was one of ten children, 
and they learned how to cook and can food and make quilts and they were very they were very independent people Mm -hmm. and my father uh, used to beat my mother regularly uh, and beat my sister so uh, having seen that and been lived that as a child I knew there had to be a better way of life Mm -hmm. because I could see other children had parents that didn't act like that and my and I and one day he was beating her and I ran to the neighbor's house and I said he's beating my mother call the call get help her help her so they did and I remember testifying at the divorce um, as a young child uh, the judge said I want to I want to bring her and and hear what she has to say and so I was very clear uh, because as children when you when you see these things happened where you you, it, you don't forget it mm-hmm. it's detailed it's an imprint mm-hmm. so I was able to give exact details mm-hmm. of everything and I didn't get emotional I wasn't crying and I just looked at the judge and I said he has to he has to leave because he's going to kill our mother so the judge granted the divorce and so there was my beautiful mother from Tennessee she had uh, educated herself. She was a secretary. She had gone to night school and gotten, you know, any certificate that she could to help herself. She was the valedictorian of her high school in Tennessee. And um, so she worked out a plan. She she sat both my sister and I down at the table when this was concluded. And she said, we have to work together. We have to have a real team here. And we need a plan. So you girls are going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to have two jobs now. And Karen, you're going to have to get a job. And Shara, you're going to have to get a job because we're going to need all the income we can have. And she was very business. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no weeping and wailing Mm -hmm. and gnashing of teeth. She wiped it out. She she knew she had to survive. This is the plan. Two children. Mm -hmm. She had two children to support. And so I got a paper route, and my sister worked at a caterer, and she said, we can't, uh, you know, we were going to be thrown out of our apartment. So she said, I'm going to buy a trailer. (sighs) And she had excellent credits. She had a full-time job. She had another job, and she bought a trailer. So we lived in a mobile home as children and it was new and clean and pretty and we slept on the floors we had no beds and um and you know we and you would think that our relatives would have helped Mm -hmm. but her relatives shunned her as well they said it doesn't matter that he beat you you should have stayed with him him. and it's your fault if a husband beats you it's your fault (laughs) i mean it's crazy i know but talk about denial total denial Mm -hmm. so we all worked together and my mother was able to buy a sewing machine and she could always sew Mm -hmm. and so we quilted quilts and we uh made our clothes i I have to be honest with you i was never good (laughs) i was never well you dress your ass off so you might not be good at (laughs) making clothes but you're good at wearing them i thank you so thank you let me jump in real quick and ask you this as you as you talk about this and you mention these experiences in this detail i'm not hearing any fear so you you three as a unit moving into the trailer doing making this was there was no doom and gloom attached to this there was no time for that there was no time for it because if we were going to make it 
we had to stick together. And there was no time for us to go play with other children because we had little jobs to do. And then then um, I lost my paper route because I didn't have enough people. So I started mowing yards. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we were working. It was all together. So my mother... Uh, told us she said well now we've saved up enough money so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make a couple of payments ahead on our trailer in case of bad times so see she was teaching us Mm -hmm. preparing us for our own future to Mm -hmm. to, you know save some money and she you know how to be responsible yeah you gotta own what you do Mm -hmm. that was her thing you have to own what you do so um, and then she said we're gonna bring in Miss Maddie Ruth Glenn and Miss Maddie Ruth Glenn is going to help us with the house, and we're going to take that field across the way, and I've rented the land, and we're going to plant vegetables. So Miss Maddie Ruth is going to help us with her children. And, you know, we didn't know who Miss Maddie Ruth was, so in comes Miss Maddie Ruth. She's this wonderful black woman, just beautiful beaming and honey get over here child come and let miss matter god we loved her Uh we were like oh my god this is better than anything she's everybody's black auntie oh my god Mm -hmm. she was perfect Mm -hmm. and she could cook and so mother said now because i have to get a second job i'm gonna be working at night some so Miss Mary Ruth's going to stay with you. She's going to cook. She's going to clean our trailer, do our laundry. And what we're going to do with her children is that they're going to help us plant all this corn and beans and tomatoes and squash and everything. And then we're going to can, we're going to cook, cook the, we're going to can this food mm-hmm. together and we're going to split it mm-hmm. between the two. And then she said, now girls, you're going to have to help make Miss Maddie Ruth's children some clothes. Okay. Whoa. So this is unheard of. Mm -hmm. And so we did that for like two years. And then she moved away to back to New Orleans Mm -hmm. with her children. And it was the most rewarding experience of my life. Wow. So this was like an extended family. Definitely. Instant family. And uh, speaking of... Uh, I, we would, as children, we would have our vegetables, and then we would eat. Miss Mayruth would cook, and we'd all eat a picnic table. And, mm-hmm. and then they started braiding my hair in these braids, and I had long blonde hair. And I, oh, my God, my mother came home, and she almost fainted. She was like, <laughs> what have you done to your hair? It's a holy Bo Derek before Bo yeah, Derek. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and I thought, Brian, I was the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah. And I would switch. Exotic. Oh, my God. Look at this. And Mother Cultured. Said, I said, Ma, I can't wait to go to school tomorrow. It's going to be wonderful. Look how beautiful my hair is. And she goes, now, honey. She looked at Miss Mary Ruth. And Mary Ruth said, now, child, you can't go to your school like that. <laughs> and I said, why? Why can't I go? I love my hair. I uh-huh. And I was screaming and crying. Oh, my mother had to threaten to. She said, I might have to take a switch to you now. You're going to have to straighten up. Straighten that face up, you know. And then she explained to me, she said, you know, Karen, you can't do it because mm-hmm. we have hard enough time now. Yeah. So you can't wear your hair to school with them. How did the community respond to this kind of blended, this merged family? They uh, were very critical. 
Okay. And we were already shunned, and my mother said, what is the, what's wrong? What's with this sad face? Mm -hmm. and I said, well, the children won't play with me at school that much. And they, and they call me a black lover, and they what? call me, yeah, you black lover, you, and you, the N-word. Uh -huh. Which, by the way, let's just clear that N-word up. There is no real word with an N in uh -huh. it. That's uh -huh. not even a word. And I would cry. I was crying, crying, crying. She goes, do you really? She, she sat me down. She said, I'm going to explain something to you. Do you really want to know someone that does that? Mm -hmm. How valuable would your friendship be with someone like that? Mm -hmm. And you understood that at that age? Yeah, I did, because I loved my friends. I mean, mm -hmm. oh my God, we wrestled around, played ball. They were like my brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, no, Mommy, I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't. And she goes, well, then what's, what, what's this face? Yeah. Get yeah. rid of this face. Yeah. Because you've made your decision. Now you have to live with it. And from that point on, I had made my decision to fight racism. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Wow. See, and again, it's like, I, I, I know you, but I could never imagine where this all came from, uh, what seed was planted, where your passion and power were all kind of manifested from. So let's use this moment to kind of talk about some of this stuff. And let's talk okay. about, um, now I know where where that kind of came from but and what led you to it, but why did you dedicate your life for a, a greater cause? Well, it was expected of me from my mother, mm. and I loved my mother very much. And she was the powerhouse, and she was, uh, you know, uh, people, she would walk down the street with us, and people would say, you can't come and shop in the store. You associate with black people. Whoa. Not even that you were black or had black people with you, just the fact that you associated, you're not welcome here. You're not welcome here. So we would have to shop in another town. <sighs> Uh, go in to get our Easter shoes and clothes and things. That I mean, this I mean, is real racism. This is a f very definitive line. Oh, yes. This is as racist as it gets. As it gets. You mentioned KKK earlier. Yeah. Uh, when I grew up in South Carolina and I went to school and I kept, uh, I got a job and um, I w took some classes at the University of South Carolina in, in Spartanburg and also at the technical college i took like accounting and some things other courses and one of the one of the professors at the university uh, she was a lesbian mm -hmm. and she was absolutely brilliant and beautiful and charming and she said karen you know i really think that you should really think about uh getting into politics because you say your mind mm -hmm. and you 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 have you're factual. It's mm -hmm. not made up, and it's not emotional. And she goes, and she said, "What I'd like for you to do is, I'd like for you to think about politics in your future." So I thought about it, and and I was like, "Well, maybe, maybe not." And, and I thought, "Well, I, what? How bad could it be? Mm -hmm. You know, because I've been through so much, you know." Um, you know, in building strength and in, in, in building integrity within my own life. And so I got a job and I, I left school, the classes that I was taking, I graduated from those. And I decided to investigate along with two doctor's wives in South Carolina, Spartanburg, South Carolina, um, South Carolina Women's Political Caucus. Okay. And they did not have one in in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. So I decided, along with these wonderful women, that we should start it. And so we did. And I became the first elected state chair in South Carolina. Wow. 
I was so proud. My mother was very proud. Yeah. And my governor at that time was Richard Riley. And I received a letter when it became known. He said, Miss um, Cantrell, I would like for you to attend Leadership South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it was a program through the universities where you would go to learn about um, the penal system, criminal systems, ecosystems, uh, y- you know, education, mm-hmm. um, and these types of things to assist in running the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it costs money, of course. And I said, well, I have very little money. And he goes, don't worry. We've already had people pay for your scholarship for this. Wow. So these people are are rallying around you and believing in you before they're even telling you. Exactly. Lining you up for success. Yes. Okay, go ahead. So I... Wow. Says a lot about you. Well, I was... I made myself available because Mm -hmm. I knew that God had something for me. Mm -hmm. So um, I took... I graduated from Leadership South Carolina, and then my city, Leadership Spartanburg... uh, also said, okay, we we want you, and I was able to pay for that myself. Mm-hmm. So I did that as well. But during this time, I was flying to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and meeting with Gloria Steinem and Bella Abzug, and these incredible women. Uh, and they were saying, man, you live in a hellhole down there, and you know it's just racism and horrible for women's rights and and uh, you know Karen can you can you if we feed you information and you believe it obviously and you want to help would you help us and I said yes so there comes the KKK story Uh, they were very unhappy with the fact that uh, women I was able to go to different uh, Sertoma and the Rotary and speak on women's rights and this type of thing and racism. And, of course, that everybody, that was dead silence. There was no, Mm -hmm. and uh, no, I would say anyone have any questions. And And hear a pin drop. Yeah. It was like, get her out of here Mm -hmm. as soon as possible. If there were cell phones, people would have been looking on their phones and ignoring you during that moment. Oh, right. yes. I mean, I had people get up and just walk mm-hmm. out of the room totally. And they were like throwing their hands up and like, oh, get her out. What is that? Who invited her? You know, it's and, just true activism, though, it really. Is. Yeah. And so um, my car got stolen. I got death threats uh, during this time. And, the police... and these are from people that knew you prior to you. Yes. Wow. Yes. And uh, the Grand Dragon lived down the street from me. <laughs> So uh, my family, uh, my mother uh, had made herself well-known and is a businesswoman and very successful in the gasoline and oil industry and convenience foods business. So she sent a message to them that it had better stop. And it had better stop now. Pardon my French, the ball's on your mama. That's right. Yeah, she, she said, I, I'm not, and I don't stutter. Yeah. I do not stutter, and I'm telling you, if you harm my daughter, you will be very, very sorry. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she went to the police department, and they were like, oh, it's just, we and I, you know, don't worry about it. And so the women from the university, they, along with the doctor's wives that had encouraged me, they made some calls, and it all stopped, like, overnight. So it's no more of the KKK story. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Did that scare you? It was very frightening mm-hmm. because they would tell me in detail on the phone what they were going to do to me. Mm-hmm. And it, it did, wasn't pretty. But this didn't stop you? No. If I stopped, they would win. Yeah. Yeah. 
How, 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 could, you, how could you let a bullies like that win? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, well, you, you, but majority rules, you were definitely kind of, you know, odd man out. And that was, it makes it even more remarkable that you kept just following your path. I had you know. I had some very good female support. Yeah, it sounds like it. I, one of my favorite parts about your story is how all of these people believed in you and, again, were positioning you for success. Like, hey, we've already ponied up some cash for you. Like, here you go. You know, yes. making it making it uh, accessible for you, which is something that I think if we all did that and kind of helped each other, life would be easier. We'd have a lot more success. Of course. Um, all right, so let's talk a bit about, are you, do, you want to, do you want to touch on that a bit more? Because what I want to do now is I want to hear your perspective on what's going on today. Day, right. What's different from how you viewed racism uh, in the South then and now? What's different? Is it the same? And, and, and can, can we have hope? Well, we can always have hope, but we can always make the changes that are necessary. And the way we do that, I love Michael ja- Jackson's song, The Man in the Mirror. You mm. look at yourself. You have to... Uh, you have to look at yourself and you have to believe in yourself and you, you can't say halfway oh, I think this, but then when I'm with Susie or Johnny, uh, you know, um, I can't think that way. I really don't want to hurt their feelings or, um, you know, they're good clients or they may not shop with me anymore or they may not be my friend anymore. You really you really can't do that. You, you have to stand your ground. And my husband, Peter, is such a great supporter of me. And he really concentrate we talk every night at at our house dinner time I mean the roof flies off sometimes because we're both two really strong personalities but he's a greater supporter of women and he is a greater supporter of growing the world together Mm -hmm. and that's one of the one of the things one of the many things that I that I fell in love with him and appreciated about him Mm -hmm. so having his support during all these things if he sees me getting a little too uh i'll say something he go well that's that's is is that right Mm -hmm. is are you still where you need to be Mm -hmm. he keeps me in check and he challenges you he does Mm -hmm. and i check him as well Mm -hmm. and that's also been one of the biggest uh reasons of successes in our marriage Mm -hmm. Sounds like you married your best friend. I did. Yeah. And um, there's there's a lot to be said for somebody that can keep you on your toes and challenge you. And trust me, he does. He's mm-hmm. German, and the soup cans are lined up, and mm-hmm. the, everything is neat, orderly. He has, uh, you know, he's got his degrees in business from mm-hmm. German universities. He's, he's brilliant and mm-hmm. quite charming and able to go out and meet anybody. He could talk mm-hmm. to anyone. I bet. Anyone. I don't think I've met him yet. I'm excited um, to circle back in a bit and to talk a bit more about, A, the conversations you have at the table with your husband, and B, some of the practices that you use daily to be able to keep yourself centered and happy and focused, right? Because I know this all takes work. It takes daily work and daily practices. But let's get back to this, because this is, okay. <laughs> you know, before we get to that, right? And again, okay. I'm all over the place. Viewers, listeners know I jump all over the place, but I do. I will come back. But I want to hear more about that. About my my... Well, I want some solutions that you might have, because again, one of the things about you is you know that there's an issue, but the thing that sets you apart from other people is you're like, okay, what needs to be changed? What can be done? What are some solutions, right? And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of, that's part of what you do. Well, I think you have to examine your own biases and consider where they have originated. And we kind of touched on that before. Like, what messages did you receive as a child about people who are different from you? Mm -hmm. And, uh... What was the racial or ethnic makeup of the neighborhood, school, or religious community that you live in? Mm -hmm. And why do you think 
what you think, and these experiences produce and reinforce bias and mm -hmm. stereotypes and prejudice, which can lead to discrimination. Mm -hmm. So examining our own biases can help us work on and ensure equality for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, very uh, hopped up on this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it goes back to Man in the Mirror. It's really about doing the work on you. You have to constantly work on yourself and change yourself if you're if it's not right. And if you live in in this falsehood or you have uh, the mask on, you you just are kidding yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not fulfilling your potential as a human being. That has been so important to me as I move into my four. I'm 42 now, but it's I need to make sure that I'm flexing my potential, that I'm here and I'm not wasting time. I'm not sitting on my hands. I'm doing something that is for me to be able to, again, meet my potential. So with that said, why, why, people are fearful of, of, of reaching their potential. There's a lot of fear that's reduced to this, right? Yeah, people, people sabotage themselves mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they're afraid of success a lot of times I've seen it over and over again and um, it's just I was sabotaging my own self in the beginning when I said I'll never be accepted to this private girls college I'm not worthy of it I come from a bad family mm -hmm. a divorced family I don't have money you know I you talk yourself out of it mm -hmm. And you know, you know, I'm 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 a great believer, uh, and so how can God give you what you deserve if you sabotage yourself? Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. can He constantly say, "Look, Brian, I have these opportunities for you. I have them lined up all over here." Mm -hmm. But if you keep shutting the door, or you stay where you are because you don't feel that you can grow mm -hmm. or you don't want to take that leap of maybe I lose everything. Mm -hmm. How can he give you and bless you? Yeah, I like that. How can he bless you if you're standing in front of him as he's trying to help you? So with all of that said, what are some um, practices or methods? What are some things that people can do to um, get out of their own way? Well, you have to, um, you have to validate the experience and feelings of other people. Mm -hmm. And that's, I've seen in my own life that um, people go, well, oh, I, that's the way they feel is unacceptable. It's just silly. Mm -hmm. It's just nonsensical. You know, um, black people have this or Amer American natives have that. Mm -hmm. And they just talk and want more and more and more. They're not validating the feelings of these people who have been discriminated against. Mm -hmm. And another way to address bias and recognize privilege is to support the experiences of other people and engage in tough, we talked about it, tough conversations yeah. about race and injustice. Mm -hmm. And so we cannot be afraid to discuss oppression and uh, discrimination for fear of getting it wrong or being politically correct. Mm -hmm. And so take action by learning about the ways that racism continues to affect our society. And there are some documentaries. I love this. Go on. Uh, that I'd like to suggest. It's called 13th. Okay. And there is a book called Hidden Figures. And so um, these, if you read the books or, or you watch the documentaries, um, 
you will learn. And as advocates, we learn about domestic violence because I live domestic violence by listening to survivors of domestic violence. And similarly, the best way to understand racial injustice is by listening to people of color. What, what a thought. What an Hello. idea. What a concept. <laughs> what a concept. Yeah. Listen to people. You know, I don't know if you know this, but I am a member of the Western Cherokee tribe. I didn't know that. Yes. Wow. Um, my six great-great-grandparents were Cherokee, and Benjamin Sines walked the Trail of Tears, and he made it. And um, shortly after the family left on the Trail of Tears, Benjamin Sines died before he could be listed on the Dawes Roll. But the granddaughter and his daughter, Jemima, went to court to establish their Cherokee heritage. So while they did not deny her heritage, the family even today is denied their Cherokee citizenship because Benjamin was not listed on the rolls. So I petitioned to the government and the Cherokee tribe and uh, gave them tons of genealogy mm -hmm. and evidence that um, the beautiful and brilliant Tina Sansone genealogist from Tennessee and also Rocky Hill who lives right here in the Coachella Valley. Mm. She specializes in American Native and in black genealogy. I, I need her information before you go. Okay, She's go ahead. wonderful, mm -hmm. wonderful. And they pulled everything out. Uh, Rocky sent the letter for me and uh, I was accepted into the Western Cherokee tribe. Wow. So I have American Native, mm -hmm. Black, White, British, Irish, Jewish, Ancestry. Jeez. <laughs> so my husband says, oh, honey, you're a Heinz 57. You just have it all. And I go, thank God. Well, you do, I mean, yeah, you don't look like Heinz 57, but you are. <laughs> I am Heinz 57. And note to self, for a lot of people, Ancestry, DNA, 23andMe, I dare you to check it out and see. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed you're not what you think you are. Let me tell you, history is not a mystery. And Ooh. history is not a mystery. I like that. History is not a mystery. Um, this is good stuff. So <clears throat> when we talk about uh, people doing the work and kind of, uh, you know, how... Give us again some examples as to like how people can, because it's like you, I'm black, so you and I can sit and chat, but what do you say to somebody who doesn't have any black friends or can't access somebody to have these conversations? How can they do it? Do they, do, it's these documentaries, these books, how else can they do it? Well, they can challenge the colorblind ide ideology. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a persuasive myth that we live in a post-racial society right. where people don't see color and perpetuating a colorblind ideology actually contributes to racism. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. described his hope for living in a colorblind world, he did not mean that we should ignore race. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. It's impossible to eliminate racism without first acknowledging race. Mm -hmm. And being colorblind, quote, ignores the significant part of a, a person's identity and dismisses the real injustices that many people face as the result of race. So we must see color in order to work together for equality and equity. Mm -hmm. Now, my grandfather, he could not uh, read or write. He marked his documents with an X in Tennessee, and he was one of the most successful lumbermen in the entire state. And my grandmother, who was part Cherokee, uh, 
she could read and write, so they worked very well together. And one day, he said to me, you know, Sparky, that's my nickname, Sparky. Mm -hmm, He mm -hmm. said, Sparky, you know, I know you have one of those television sets. And and he said, I want to give you just some, some good old country advice. And I said, okay, Granddad, what is it? And he said, Karen, you have a black and white TV set. And I go, yes, yes, sir, we do. And he said, and your neighbors, I heard you talking, have them, those colored TV sets. And I said, yes, sir, they do. And he said, let me give you some advice, honey. With people in general, no matter how hard you try to get people to see color, if they don't want to see color, they're just going to continue to see black and white. Wow. And that was one of the most powerful things my grandfather ever said to me. And he said, honey, you've got to see color. So your grandfather, talk about unique and one of a kind. That was a voice, that was a message that wasn't heard by white men at, at that time, no, right? No, no. And we had a lot of, um, we had African-Americans that worked in the mill, the lumber mill. We had uh, Asian-Americans that worked there. And, I mean, it was, t- it was like, uh, you know, really country where they would saw the wood and gather the logs, drive the mule teams. I mean, I remember sitting on the mule team with my grandfather, and he said, I'm going to teach you what, the left from the right. And he says, when you're driving a team of mules, G is to the left and ha means to the right. He Mm -hmm. says, because mules don't know left and right. So Mm -hmm. you go G or ha. And here I am, this little towhead sitting up there with him and, Mm -hmm. you know, and he and driving this, this big mule things and it's full of logs. And then they'd go down and wash them down the river and all of that. But he was so, and my grandmother too, because I know she was, um, she was American native. And so she, uh, I know they experienced all that racism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he would never take her into town. Uh, and his children, he his, and she would say, would you get this and that? And I go, um, um, let's, why can't we go? Well, let's all go. And she'd go, no, honey, no, I, no, I've got so many chores. I've got things I have things to mm-hmm. do here. So it was always an excuse. So that lesson about the television. Mm-hmm. Thank God for that. And again, that is such a, a different story, right? No matter what you do, some people will never see color. That's crazy to come from the words of a white man living in the South at that time. It's crazy. And again, if everybody had that mindset, we would not be here today. You had a lot of people that were white and they were. Now, I had come from a long family of ministers, mm-hmm. Southern Baptist. There was no singing in the church. There was no card playing. There was no music in mm-hmm. the church. There was just preaching in the little tiny churches. And my grandmother was a, uh, which was part partial Native American. Mm-hmm. She was a midwife and uh, she would ride horseback to deliver babies in the mountains. And her brother, uh, Dr. Dr. Chambers, uh, was very educated and all the boys were educated in college. They became dentists and doctors, but my grandmother, because she was a female, was never allowed to go to to, to college. She could go to the local little school. So they they Dr. Divine T. Chambers took her and uh, taught her 
himself mm -hmm. to be a midwife and he she would travel with him and then they would live her children all over the mountains jeez again stories i, I, I couldn't even fathom <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing her horseback riding with a bag over her shoulder going to deliver babies right with with a rifle because uh -huh. they had bear and they mm -hmm. had you know mm -hmm. bobcats wow all right so i want to go back to what we talked about a moment ago and what you kind of talked about was people trying to maybe i guess the word empathy or sympathy is kind of where we were going is put yourself in somebody mm -hmm. else's shoes right. um do you think that's possible right do you think it's possible for, because we talked about hope, for these people who just don't quite get it, how do we get them to put themselves in my shoes or somebody else's shoes? What's it going to take? Well, okay, first of all, um, when people tell, like, a racist joke, mm -hmm. completely unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So it, you're asking me what I, what I do. As soon as I hear this joke that's supposed to be a joke, which is unacceptable, I say to them, um, could you explain that to me? I don't get it. Mm -hmm. And you see their eyes roll. I mean, you can see. You're stuck. And they go, "What did you? What? T tell me what you didn't get about it. Are you just stupid, Karen?" Did, and I go, "No. I need you to say the joke again to me, and I need you to explain what it meant." Mm -hmm. And buddy, if you don't think that shuts them up, yeah. And then I call them out. When they try to explain it, uh -huh. and they're jibber jabber, you know, it's like, what? I didn't, I didn't hear. I, I couldn't, what did you say? It's a really easy example as to how to, to kind of check somebody, you know, in yeah. their place and say, okay, now it's time to evaluate what's coming out of your mouth. And, 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 I, and I say to them at the end, do you understand that you had, a, you, I feel sorry for you because you had a very difficult time explaining something that was supposed to be a joke. Uh -huh. And as you explain it, you are understanding that it's unacceptable. Yep. It's not a joke. Mm -hmm. It's sickening. Mm -hmm. And please, just don't ever say anything like that around mm -hmm. me again. And, mm -hmm. I, and I call people out. Mm -hmm. I will call you out. And a, a lot of guests, that's the one thing that they all say. That's the one string that's in the, in the same, is that it's time to start calling people out. Yeah. Account accountability. You know, no longer just laughing or, you know, a, a courtesy laugh because, you know, no. Uh -huh. it's time to oh, that's so funny. Uh -huh. No, I like what you said. It's, nope, explain that to me. What it, I don't get it. You know, spell it out. That's that's really kind of putting the mirror in front of their face. Oh, yeah. I give them the dumb look like, oh, what? what? I love that. I didn't get it. Could you explain that to uh -huh, me? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I hard press people because, you know, how do you bring up these conversations? What, what examples can we use for us to be able to try to... Uh, throw racism back in somebody's face and see if they can get it. Because again, denial is very strong and very real and a lot of people just have their, they're committed to um, their prejudice. They're just very, and that's what it is. Prejudice is a commitment to uh, a stupid idea, basically. I'm not saying that quote right, but. You're, but you're correct. Yeah. And, uh, and then they immediately go, well, you know, somebody else told me that joke. And I, I go, well, wait, wait, you have to own that because mm -hmm. you just told it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I just thought it would be funny. Be impeccable with your word. That came out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. So as far as growing up and dealing with people that were racist, um, can you blame them for being racist? Do, do you have empathy for racist people because of what they had, had, had been taught or learned? I do feel sorry for people who are racist because they're missing out on valuable mm. friendships. Mm -hmm. they're, they're missing out on extending their life skills, learning from other people, learning other cultures. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 it's a sad, I'm sad for them, but it does not excuse racism. Mm -hmm. um, I, as I shared with you before in the South, I've seen fathers just plummet their sons 
for giving someone water mm-hmm. and a glass. And um, so it That's was abusive. Sad. It's a, they, ex- mm. most racist, I will say most, have experienced some form, I would believe in my heart, abuse to cause them to feel that they have a need to up one mm-hmm. someone else. And they became a bully. Mm-hmm. And it is so sad to see that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that because I think that a lot of racism is reduced to classism. I think that a lot of people who are racist, uh, they are looking for someone to be beneath them. You know, that's why you see a lot of racist people. They're, uh, they are um, low income. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah, yeah. You think that's ironic? I don't think so. No, you know? no, I don't either. Yeah, it's because they need to ha- they need to feel like they are above somebody else. Um, I had to ask that. I've never asked that question before, but you know, just really as we kind of unpack all of this, I never thought about that. Do we have empathy? Uh, do we feel bad for racist people? And I'm glad that you said that you feel sad for them. Um, princess, I'm excited because I always kn- I've known you as Princess, so I want you to talk about this title, <laughs> this really cool title that you've earned. Who gave it to you and what it means? Oh, it's the sweetest thing ever. I was never so honored in my life. Um, I was able to uh, do a, I do a lot of water projects uh, in Ethiopia, and mm-hmm. I have for 10, 12 years, uh, my husband Peter and I, and uh, with His Imperial Royal Highness, uh, Prince Aramis Halle Selassie, who is the ninth grandson of the former emperor of Ethiopia. And we met the prince and his beautiful wife, Princess Saba, many years ago. And he had a beautiful water initiative through some Christian churches, along with um, some Doctors Without Borders and this type of thing. So uh, we had chosen to donate to buy number seven uh, Indian uh, water pumps that could be taken and put into Ethiopia and, uh, and other countries as well. So I met through Prince Aramis and his beautiful wife, uh, several other nobles who were doing other projects. And um, one of the pers- people that, were, that needed help was the last Christian Raja uh, in Timur Kupang, Indonesia, and that is uh, Raja Leopold Nisnoni. And I have never met him in person. I don't need to meet him in person. I would love to one day. But he had a need for food for his small orphanage, and he had built a, and was constructing a a church. And he, like I I said to you, he was the last Christian Raja in uh, Indonesia. So several of my friends and I got together, and we found out that he had this need. And we contacted uh, several other people and networked. You know, it takes a village. It's not just one pe- person. I, I always, when people start saying, I, I, I did this and I did, it was a village. Let me make it very clear. It was a village of people mm-hmm. uh, in the United States that came together. Uh, Malka Vas Rubin from Pennsylvania, Christopher Allen Chambers from the OC, yeah. uh, Dr. Ron Whaling. I mean, we just had so many people that came um, to help us, and we were able to uh, get funds to provide rice and sugar and food for the children, and then we were able to help uh, with some building on the church. So the Rajah had never met us, and uh, he had an interpreter, and we actually hired an interpreter from university because when I'm giving my hard-earned money to other 
organizations. They have got to be clean and respectful and do what they say they're going to do. Mm -hmm. So we had hired our own interpreter to uh, translate documents to ensure that this was all correct. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, as as it was correct. Mm -hmm. So he, after several months of us um, talking and going back and forth, and we provided the funds and pictures were taken, and we were very satisfied with uh, what was happening, um, I receive uh, documents, formal documents, uh, in the mail, and so did Christopher Allen Chambers and uh, Malka Vosrubin, and we were accepted uh, into his, like his family. Mm-hmm. And he gave me the title of Ratumuta, which means tiny princess. <laughs> Ratumuta. R A. T-U-M-U-D-A, Ratu, R-A-T-U-M-U-D-A, Ratu Muta. And he said, I am bringing you into my family as my child because you helped the children and you helped uh, in the church. And Mm -hmm. we had contacted other people to get Bibles for his church. Um, uh, and we were trying to figure out how we wanted him trans, of course, not in English and in the proper language. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, that was, that was a stretch. That, that was a feat on its own. <laughs> and then we didn't, we didn't want to ship them because the, the, it would be a fortune you'd the lose. Yeah. yeah. So we wanted to be able to, so the whole thing was providing the money there so they could buy them and they did mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. So this this labor of love uh, for the Raja and the children um, and my beautiful Indonesian family has been going on now for about seven years. And uh, we still help him, and he's just wonderful. And um, that's how the title came about. I had to ask. (laughs) Everybody goes, oh, princess. And and actually, uh, that is my name on my Mm -hmm. birth certificate. Wow. So you changed it? Yeah, I did. Cool. I did. How could you not? Well, I had to. I, I didn't have to, but mm-hmm. actually, it came because I also, uh, in my genealogy, I'm I'm uh, related to Princess Di, and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, the genealogy, as I said, history is not a mystery. And mm-hmm. once you find out all the stuff, my my ancestry goes back to um, the signers of the Magna Carta, and they were all fighting for rights at that time as well. Wow. I have three uh, relatives that were signers on the Magna Carta, and <laughs> and so. Um, it just all came together, and uh-huh. I thought, you know, and my mother always called me. Princess was my nickname. Mm-hmm. So when she got Alzheimer's, she she would always call me Princess. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, this is Bashir. This is meant to be. Yeah. So I'm going to honor the Raja. I'm going to honor my mother, and uh-huh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept the honor for myself. I love it. I love it. And here we are today. I love it. Yeah. So, um, so as far as this relationship that you have with uh this royal family, if you will. You, you check in with them every year, you said, and you're I, still? I talk every day to them almost. Wow. I'm on texting back and forth. When uh-huh. the fires come, he goes, my darling princess, we're praying for you, uh-huh. and please pray for my wife. She's very ill right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so Christopher and Malka and I, we the three of us, we're, we're constantly um, on there talking, and we provided, as a matter of fact, we just raised money for masks, and he for the villagers mm-hmm. and the orphans to wear in Indonesia. And um, so he sent us the pictures, these little faces, and, 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 and some of them, they had the mask down below their nose. And, <laughs> and I, I wrote back and I said, 
um, you're doing it Ra- wrong. Raja, you have to cover, make sure the noses are covered. Right, right, and, and, right. And oh, you, oh, you get all the children together and the new pictures, uh-huh. and, and we do it that way. But it's I'm, we're on the phone all the time. Yeah, how rewarding, how fulfilling. This is what life is all about. I um, you make it sound so easy, right? It's like you know, and we had to do this and that, and we went, we got together, and a guy in Philadelphia, and it's like you make it all sound so easy. I what do you have to say to people that, that want that again that are sitting on their hands that could make a difference? You make it sound so easy. It is easy. It means get up and do it. Just straight up. Just straight up. Get up. You want something? Get up and do it. Right. And and uh, oh, I don't know how. I how would I be a volunteer? Oh, it's just you know. It's like no, no, no. You yeah. get up and do it. Yeah. If you if it's in your heart, mm-hmm. if it's and I always say if it's in your DNA, mm-hmm. you will do it. Mm-hmm. I remember in my 20s, I was, you know, my aunt and I were very close. And I'm always like, you know, I want to do this and I want to work in, you know, TV and I want it. And, and she's like, ain't nothing to it but to do it. And I was, oh, love it. Right. And it's that to this day, I'm like, she was right. She was right. Um, we're almost out of time, but I, but I, there's some things I wanted to circle back to. I've not mm-hmm. forgot. So I'm not done with you quite yet. <laughs> not quite yet. So I know for me, as I get older, uh, like uh, speaking adages in the mirror, writing down goals, uh, meditating, um, you know, what are some things that I know that you, you obviously have a very a close relationship with, with God. What are some things that you do daily or weekly that keep you, you? Well, prayer. Okay. Prayer is, is, uh, is. So do you do that every morning? Do you do that three times a day? I do. I do it whenever I feel the spirit leads me to pray. Like if I'm driving down the street and I see someone and they look so downtrodden, I'll normally wave at them or blow the horn and and you should say they're shocked and and then I'll pray for them. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm led in my heart to do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I have prayer time in the morning. You can pray anytime and Mm -hmm. it's, you don't have to do this huge formal thing. It just, if you think it, pray it. And if you see someone in need and you pray for them, it's from your heart Mm -hmm. and, and it'll bless not only them, but it'll bless you as well. Mm -hmm. So prayer is very, very big for me Mm -hmm. and then just when people reach out and they need help it's like um you can't just say say no i mean it's like when the idlewild fire happened and uh peter and i turned lady golf into we had we moved everything away we were pleading with people kitty did a program Mm -hmm. alvarado Uh nbc palm springs nbc palm springs did a whole program and from that one program we raised over fifty five thousand dollars in food clothing, um, uh, furniture, people drove from Las Vegas, people drove from Los Angeles, truckloads and truckloads and truckloads. And the fire departments got involved in it and and we couldn't even load up everything. I mean, I don't know if you remember that. It was like- I vaguely do, yeah. It was was just incredible. And Mm -hmm. the people, let me tell you something, the Coachella Valley people have the biggest hearts. Mm -hmm. They were so, wonderful i had little children come with their piggy banks and give the piggy banks how sweet it was the sweetest thing ever and the mothers that's a tearjerker uh, i mean they would come and say i got i got money in here and i Mm -hmm. go oh honey that is so sweet now what do you know where your money's going and they go my mommy said i had to give the money because there's fire and these children need clothes i said that's very true Mm -hmm. and i'd ask the mother she's very sweet and i I said you go to ottawa she goes karen we go to ottawa all the time Mm -hmm. and the children my boys go to uh, scout camp up there and Mm -hmm. so they know ottawa but she said 
we needed to start teaching our children to give. And, yeah. and uh, you're, you're asking them where the money went and where their little piggy bank money's going is important to us because they, uh, you know, they need to know it and see it. And, and so I said, well, we have a Facebook page for this, and, and you go on. And um, it was just wonderful. But I have to tell you, there is so much good in people. Mm-hmm that with so much negative going on in the world that it's suppressing them. Mm-hmm. My husband looked at me uh, yesterday and he said, I now with the new vice president nominee have hope for our country. I said, for the first time in many years, so do I. And I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to start letter writing myself. I'm going to start doing any little thing I can to help her win this election. Wow. All right, so I've asked you this three times, and you've given me three answers already, but I'm going to ask you one more time, and I already know the answer. You do have hope. We can have hope for the future. We can relax a little bit. You bet. You right. bet. You bet. You bet we can. And I hope so, because I'd like to relax. Well, we, I would. Everybody's nerves, it's like I'm standing on everyone's. We have one nerve left, and everybody's standing on There's so much negativity. And the news, you know, brings some good news. Show us some people that are doing things yeah. that are positive, because there's plenty of it out there. Yeah. My God, who is the biggest hero in the world? volunteers Mm -hmm. volunteers give their time energy effort they don't get paid a penny Mm -hmm. Um, volunteering you want to feel good you don't sit home and start whining you can do something as a volunteer if you if you do it create your own zoom group um, go to the hospitals, go mm-hmm. to the nursing home, call mm-hmm. them and say, could we do a little Zoom group? And I could do like music or mm-hmm. uh, could we have a poetry Zoom meeting mm-hmm. for the nursing home or the children? You know, get involved with the children as mm-hmm. well. These poor little children, they don't know if they're in school, out of school, what's happening. They're the ones we should be worried about. I am very concerned about the yeah, children. Yeah, me too. I talked to my friend and she kind of spelled out how her kids are going stir crazy. And I was like, wow, like I didn't really think about that. It's one thing to be an adult and have to process emotions but as a kid it's a little tough it is very hard um uh darn it i lost my train of thought but um what you had just said brought me to um a really good point which was um as far as volunteering is concerned and again doing your part for instance like a friend like a couple of friends of mine will send out a text message to 10 people and say hey the homeless shelter needs water underwear brilliant you know what i mean brilliant here's a venmo if you can five bucks or 50 whatever you can do and then we'll wait a couple hours check the venmo there's 110 bucks we'll go to the 99 cent store we'll get everything we can we'll go drop drop it off takes two hours so we try you know just i use that as an example of something so small that you can do to volunteer. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be this big Herculean task. Exactly. Exactly. Any little thing. I mean, if you can check on your neighbors, I, I you know, check on your neighbors. Mm-hmm. So how are you doing? What's going on? Wave at them. Uh, I know that in uh, near my, our, our store at Lady Golf in the back, we have s- several homeless people, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, they shouldn't have to be there. But, you know, we go out and we say, here's some water. Do you need water? Mm-hmm. Do you need anything? Hi, how you doing? Mm-hmm. My husband, Peter, walks their dogs back there to the little park. And, and uh, he said this the sweetest people Karen and they and our, our dogs just love them they just jump all over mm-hmm. them and and they go oh it, I wish I had a dog and you know and and so your heart breaks for them and you you can do little things it's not like you say uh, this huge thing mm-hmm. it's just do something for God's sake mm-hmm. don't just sit there mm-hmm. 
do mm -hmm. something. And feel obligated to do something. That's, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine a couple years ago, and I was like, oh, you should volunteer, and big brothers and big sisters. He's like, I'm not ready. When something calls to me, I'll, then that's when I'll volunteer. The guy's in his 40s. I was like, all right, well, mm -hmm. I understand the logic behind that, but still. So forget all that. Get out there and do something. Exactly. I'm, I don't want to say goodbye yet, so, so hold on. <laughs> I got a couple more minutes with you. I, I always ask my guests, and I know you came so prepared, and I'm grateful for that. Is there anything that you want to add? Is there anything that's important that you feel like viewers need to hear from you right now? This would be the time. Well, yes. I think that um, one thing that I would love for everyone to do, because everyone knows how wonderful the Coachella Valley people are to donate. I think you've got to be very careful with your finances mm -hmm. and who you donate to. So you need to take a real stand with your wallet. I you need this. to know the practices of companies that you invest in and the charities that you donate to. Make an effort to shop at small local businesses and give your money back to the people living in the community. And your state or territory may have a directory of local minority-owned businesses in your area, and I suggest that you look at that and support minority businesses as well. So this is something that I would love for everyone to think about doing, to mm. be thoughtful with your finances. Mm. Mm. Oh, I love it. Talk about coming prepared. I was. Uh, this is fantastic. So before you donate, do some research on the charities. Find out where your money's going. Shop local, right? So again, mom and pops, support them. Uh, documentaries and books. That's something I'm not going to forget. Uh, she mentioned 13th, which is a documentary, as well as Hidden Figures, which is a book. And uh, also look for minority-owned businesses. And I love this because I, I was just looking for one, and you gave me like five. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and I always ask guests also, um, what are some solutions? And I think that you just kind of did two in the same, but I'm still going to ask you, mm -hmm. are there some solutions? Because I feel like you gave us some right there. Anything else you can add to that? Yes. Uh, adopting an intersectional approach in all aspects of your life. Now, what I'm saying there is, yeah, to, that. is to remember that all forms of oppression are connected. All forms of oppression are connected. You cannot fight against one form of injustice and not fight against all the others. Mm. So if you think you're just taking on one project, you're kidding yourself. You're taking on a lot of projects. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, many survivors of domestic violence also face racism and other forms of oppression. So mm -hmm. there's your example of how it reaches out uh, and goes uh, like your fingers into other areas. Mm -hmm. So please um, recognize and support survivors who've had unique experiences and learn more about domestic violence and how you can help Mm -hmm. with domestic violence because you see a lot of racism in domestic violence situations. I never, I never knew that. How can somebody learn more about domestic violence? You can go to nnedv.org slash get involved. That is nned, as in David, victor.org and get involved. You said slash, dot org slash? Mm -hmm get slash get involved got it okay cool so we are definitely going to have that web link on uh her on the bio that which which will be on our do your part podcast.com page um you gave you gave me slash a lot 
to think about. Um, I'm really happy that you gave us some examples of ways that we can uh, kind of combat our own underlying prejudice as well as get involved. I'm going to repeat them just because I think they're great. Research charities before you donate. Shop local, which is so important. Look for minority-owned businesses. Uh, they definitely need the help right now. Uh, 13th is the documentary. Hidden Figures is the book. And we're going to throw up that website for you for you to get involved and do your part. Yahoo! Anything, anything else, sweetheart? <laughs> no, I just want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity today. I, yeah. I, you're just the best ever, and I've always loved you and admired you. And uh, I want to give a, a shout-out to two friends. Uh-huh. One is Jim Chabelle and Tim Wood. Oh, my goodness. State Farm Boys. Go ahead. And those two, what a dynamic uh-huh. couple. Uh-huh. I, I love you guys, and I want to tell you how much I appreciate all you're doing. In, yeah, talk about giving back. Jeez. Oh, un. You should get him on the show. You know what? That's a good point. All right. Jim and um, Tim. Tim. I know them. Sorry, I had a little brain fart. I'm inviting you on the show right now. Will you say yes? They're saying yes right now. I think they just said yes. That's fantastic. That's such a good idea. All right, so we're going to bring those two on. They're a pretty, they're a power couple here. And again, they probably devote 80% of their time to philanthropy. You bet. Yeah, I remember once they had they have parties at their house where people bring goods and they'll open up their home and then their garage is filled with dried goods to take to the shelter. Those two, yeah. those two are... Unbelievable. It's remarkable. (laughs) You know what? That's good. I'm going to bring them back on because I want them to give us examples as to how you can do your part too. So with that said, everybody, we love you. We love each other. Yeah. Find a way to do your part. We gave you some examples. We'll see you soon. Take care of each other and uh, yourselves. And uh, that's a wrap. We'll see you soon. I am absolutely confident that you continue to do your part. Thank you for listening to another episode of Do Your Part. I work at staying awake. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Stay connected with Brian Gallo through social media at Do Your Part Podcast or visit doyourpartpodcast.com.